Is your savings just sitting there? Well, put it to work. A premium online savings account from PenFed earns way more than the national average, so you can get your savings working on earning you a vacation, or a new kitchen, or that fancy exercise mirror. Apply at PenFed.org savings. Premium online savings account holders must agree to electronic delivery of account opening disclosures and monthly statements. $5 minimum required to open an account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. Everybody take their heads off in respect. Everybody ready? I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Okay. Now, drum roll, please. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
Lucky pluckers today. This <laughs> <laughs> yeah. is
Action! <laughs> Old McDonald. Forward! March! Get my hair beat. Okay, thank y'all very much. Uh, that was Mary had a little land. I remember when I was working. I made things by a little bit of steamy red box.
Navajo and Lando. So once you get that stand out of the way, it's the land of the Kurds, which is right off the Kimmy of India, you know, that whole part that's disputed over China, go across China, Kurdistan's right up there, and then Pakistan, and then Russia, Mongolia's over here, and then Eastern Europe and stuff. So it's the furthest east of the stands, and it's it's a Muslim country, but they carry that rather lightly on their shoulders. So it's not, you know, you gotta eat with your right hand. That's an important thing. <laughs> Me being left-handed, that's very important. And putting them in the culture and stuff. It's a fascinating experience. Uh, there's a few foods that you don't, that they think are extremely, you know, honorable. Sheep head shows up. They cook the sheep head. And, and then if you want to be really bonding with friendship, they give you half an eyeball on the other person that you ever had. You know, so. <laughs> so pass that one. Uh, there's, <laughs> there's dairy, sheep, goats, horses. Uh, it's an interesting culture. But it's similar, and it's just like right into a lot or we were in Colorado and stuff. They, uh, they get to the Mongols, they've been to Mongolia a couple times, they're nomadic. They actually move, they live in Tatsumura. These folks live in villages, but then they go up what they call the gyros, which is the summer pastures, and uh, they're big. And then it's mountainside. When the guys, the cavalry, sheep herders, packing around a pair of Eight by fifty binoculars as part of livestock. You know, bring it. It's interesting. I mean, we talk about grazing here, laving, grazing livestock for a couple hundred years. Uh, we talk about it for a couple thousand. It's a different. Uh, they burn manure. There's a whole process of how to trample it down to get the urine out and they just and they just poke with it to heat their houses and I'm thinking now we spend how much money in the dairy storage and stuff and we just burn it, you know? But there is some problems with burning the north. Uh, there's a lot of particulates and so you have everything. If you really want to talk about the goat game, you can quit anytime.
It's okay. It's good chow here.
Now this morning we, we pulled the sprinkler out down yonder, down by the trees, and it's pulled itself up here. It's done. We're going to shut it off and I'll demonstrate how easy it is to move it to the next location. Four wheeler, please. supply is four ponds. Um, one is used as a transfer pond and we'll go ahead and cover all this. It's just that it's dry and it's time to move the sprinkler and even though we had only two tenths inch rain last week we had uh, oddly two inches thankfully but the thing about irrigation is that you don't quit because everything will get dry at once if you do so you just kind of keep going when you have an irregular year like this of generally speaking none or not much rainfall there are two ponds up up high uh, he went over there there's an underground six inch line i think that uh, starts from up top and comes down down here to the various places where we irrigate this whole lower part of the farm is irrigated along with a couple fields on the other side of these trees. Um, the water is runoff, uh, springs, and then we have a small well down near that green structure there, which is the pump house, the well house. Any questions thus far? Okay, all right. And the pumps, He'll go through this because this is his baby. Uh, the pumps are now powered out at the, let me see, out at the pump house. They're powered by the solar panels. All right, so there's an underground electrical line from, from the barn out to the, uh, out to the pump house. He transfers water from that pond on up, and a good part of the uh, water lowers the lower part of the farm by just 
uh, gravity flow. There's enough pressure as it comes down. This one here, though, uh, there's not enough fall, and so he does use over here a gasoline engine because it's too far to too far too expensive to run the electric line up this way. The solar the solar panels, uh, the amount of of the size of the solar installation was made considering our household needs which pale in comparison to uh, the milking and the, the irrigation. This is the first year we've had a, the irrigation pump hooked up electric. We've had all, all gasoline engines before. Any questions? Why am I bleeding? Because I bang myself. So don't mind me. In the morning, I bring the sheep up this way. They come from the shed we were standing in. Don't stay in the shed at night, but in a little corral outside of that. Walk them across the creek there through those trees and up the hill, they kind of get moving here, get some, some good chow, get their appetite going, and we'll keep walking up the hill and we'll see more, probably more irrigation, more solar and more sheep, more grass, of course. And the solar panels are actually tied to the grid so we don't tap directly into them. They're tied into the grid and then we get credit on our electric bill. That's kind of how, how many works. How many kilowatts is the system? I'll let my father speak on that. He'll tell you all the specs. I guess we could get this, use this time to get to know each other while dad's hooking things up. I don't need to talk, right? <laughs> <laughs>
200S uh, hard hose traveler. The hose on it is 320 feet. So we pull it out there, we can get, time it squirts out, you can get 400 feet that way, turn it around to do the same thing that way. It'll irrigate 150 foot wide. Time it comes back here, it'll cover an acre and a half. So in a day's time, we'll do two sets, we'll do three acres a day. It's all we can do with this machine. That's its limitation. Can you adjust the, the, the speed so it goes, goes slower? Yes. It has, it has a, a turbine. It runs off the flow of water, turns the turbine. It's geared down and turns that reel to draw the hose in. It has an adjustment. You can make it go faster or slower. But uh, I've just found a place I leave it. If I want it to go faster, I'll turn up the pressure. That's counterintuitive. But when you turn up the pressure, you actually put on less water. It, it's squirting out a little more, squirting it farther. But the turbine is running faster and it draws it in quicker. But on this calf bench, it's just wide enough where we want the extra width. So I'm running full power. Makes a good pattern. Okay, I'll go turn it on. Um, this this two-inch main line, he can roll up on his own. He's got a uh, like a cable spool. And he can roll it up on his own, or if I'm not being too contrary, I might help. It it, it hangs from the loader bucket, loader spear, and I'll drive the tractor in a low gear, and he'll he'll roll it up. We also have some three-inch, and that requires two people. Um, he'll unroll it on his own, and usually move this around by himself. But because of the slope of the field. Uh, he can't quite see how far, how much of this black pipe has been unrolled and you don't want to roll it farther than it has space for because then you got to cut it and splice it and you know it's it's hard on the on the hard hard hose there. Um, we put the yellow tape to try to help with the visual when you get down to the end of the end of the reel. So this will take, let's see, eight till two. This will take six hours, about five to six hours for it to come up and water from there to there. He's already pre-measured. Uh, these fields are staked out. And again, he couldn't quite see the marker from up here. And that's why I went down there and stood. But it's pretty basically a one person, usually a one person job. Any questions? All right.
ballpark figure on this apparatus. He's got the numbers in his head. We've got catalogs down here. Because I, I don't remember. But he'll, he's got it. Um, it's gone up a thousand feet since we bought it. This is probably undersized. It would be nice to have a bigger one, but bigger is more and at the time we had the money for this size. And the system when we bought this was smaller too. And, you know, we just added on, I don't know, this might be the fourth year. And why do we irrigate? Because we came from out west. I was going to say, you used to get rain all the time in Birds Hall, right? We used to get rain all the time, but we moved out here in 89, in part because it rains. <laughs> Colorado. And so, you know, you're going to grow crops, you're just going to irrigate. And so he grew up doing that, and I did irrigating after I left him. But as I turn on the turbine, I think you'll see the you'll see the pressure drops up. Because that turbine takes pressure away to make to cause it to work. That's causing this to turn around. I'm gonna engage the clutch for the reel. Get around, make sure your hose is Thank <laughs> you. 
I liked that that I liked the farm I liked the statistics I liked the breeding and so I bought more Holstein semen last year than I've bought probably in 23 years of breeding because we do a lot of crossbreds um, everyone on the farm the milk cows the calves and the dry cows even though we have irrigation it's only supplemental to the rain we're not getting and so each group has hay right now too. They're getting a little over three pounds of a, of a pellet um, that has rumensin in it. And uh, there are two way crosses and three way crosses. Any questions? All right, we'll keep moving. Again. Now I'm going to want to not shoot myself now. Just got good. Oh, no way. Oh, is that right? Kind of top of the screen. That's running out of the same line here. I haven't seen it. And they 
So I have my sheep helper in the white dress there, that's Pam Rice. I'm a musician and that takes me away sometimes and Pam looks after the sheep for me. And I left for the Ithaca area last week and had her look after the sheep for a few days and she brought them up from the barn there through these fields. And then the challenging part is to get them through that gate there, walk through here, and then take a left up here. How was it, Pam? Interesting. <laughs> I didn't want to go the first day and he went down that way. Down to this whole town and he stood there for a while. And what did you learn, Pam? <laughs> what did they learn? <laughs> well, you gotta have patience with the uh, sheep and stuff. That is all. <laughs> so we'll we'll keep walking away as I'll show you where they settle for a little while. They eat some uh, some finer grass and then they really go into browsing the honeysuckle, the goldenrod. We'll see what else we browse. Coyotes! Why, can they kill them? It'll paralyze them. Really? Yep. Oh, what kind of fence do you have? Woven wire. Okay. Uh -huh. Hard hard woven? Well, no, it doesn't necessarily stop a cozy. No, yeah. it sounds like he's from England. What's that? Electric Yes. Last year? The electric mesh around 50 acres is pretty expensive. Well, no, you don't do right. <laughs> Last year, I was walking my dog, who is half Pyrenees, half German Shepherd, walking him in the morning like I did every morning. I thought he'd make a good sheepdog someday. He likes a couch instead. <laughs> we were walking down this driveway here, and I see a coyote out there looking at my sheep. I was leaving him out at night with electric fencing, a good solid fencer with a mirror on it. The fence had been knocked down, and their coyote was staring at it. So I, I think he had made an attempt to get in there. Quite he didn't. Quite <laughs> Quite what? <laughs> That he didn't get in? Well, no, they got hooked, but he got it. Yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, yeah. Well, what, what practice do you use with men and jail Well, I'm trying an herbal regimen first for about a week. If I see improvement in the neurological symptoms, I'm going to keep on that course. But if not, I'm going to hit them with a chemical wormer. <laughs> what are you going to use? Well, I used Cydectin last year, so I should use something different. Is there a recommendation from a sheep producer what to use this year, if not Cydectin? No variation in the same chemical. Okay. 
What about barber pole? Do you have problems with barber pole work? I haven't yet. No? Okay, you're lucky. But I've only had sheep for two years now. Do okay. so you rotate them in the cows at the same time? Yeah. Kind of. That's all. Just say that might help with the parasite. They cancel each other out. Let's go. We'll keep on walking. That tree's been there a long time. wanted to point out another part of the circuit when we're going out in the morning. They take quite a while and stop and eat this honeysuckle here. Browse on the, the different trees and shrubs around here. Really dig the goldenrod. They'll do that for maybe about half an hour and then move on. But uh, they really appreciate the shade there. So that's something I give them. Let's them have a little rest after walking up the hill.
most of them are round. So while y'all are commencing on your tour, I'm going to be moving these sheep, I reckon. So it looks like they're kind of getting down on chow. Uh, they usually have a full belly up here at night by the time I pick them up. Ideally, I'd like to bring them up here in the morning and have them ruminate up here and then take them out to somewhere lush and green to get their appetites going again for afternoon grazing. But I do what I can. When, when do you lamb? This year I lambed in April and May. Sent the first lambs to market a few weeks back. The bath market? So it's a drive for us. I'd, I'd prefer not to put my animals on a truck. Uh, but again, I do what I can. <laughs> so, so how did you hold these? Lessons? They got on a truck, went to a uh, bath market. So you'd rather finish them and sell them off the farm? Yeah. I'd rather sell them off the farm. I slaughtered one of my own rams last year and I saw how unafraid he was and I like that. Um, but this patch here, this paddock, this pasture has been treated differently this year than any other year that we've been here, so far as I know. Our cows got out on a stormy day, got freaked out, went to the neighbor's place, and um, through the course of events, we uh, had to put up some permanent fencing here, and we can't have the cows here until we're done with the permanent fence for the cows. So this has gone ungrazed until, oh, maybe beginning of July. No, around Pam's birthday. That's when I brought them up here. When was your birthday, Pam? Around July 19th, the sheep started on the eastern side down there, and they've been working their way up. A paddock of this size has been lasting them about three days. We've had to haul water for them, and we brought that from uh, the barnyard down there, but it is pond water. Put a little bleach in there to keep stuff from growing. So, uh, yeah. so Emma, what's your criteria for when you move the sheep? When their bellies start to not look so full, or before then, um, we can go and walk in there if you'd like. You said that, that one, more, one more day in here. I was planning on keeping them here until so you, you tonight. I walk out there and I, I kind of weigh them mm -hmm. together. Yeah. I know what they eat, and uh, let's take a walk out there. I don't know my species very well. Help me out. The majority of it is orchard grass in here. Yarrow? Yeah, that's called velvet grass there. Velvet, okay. A few things, I guess, I'm not going to say Timothy? There's a fair amount of Timothy down below coming up through here. When you look at a pasture like this, and you're talking a little bit, 
when do you want to move them, when you don't. This is really good, and each time you go through a pasture, you should look at it in a different way. You've let this grass get very mature, which is excellent for the grass. And it's rested, it's really got a good root system in here. Um, we were talking a little bit just now about over, understocked and overgrazed. Um, people, a lot of people don't understand that term. I always think once you start figuring that out, you start to understand grazing a little bit. What happens is the animals come up and they graze a little area of the plant. And then whether you rotate them back or something, then they come back and they graze it. The rest of it get too stemmy and low digestibility. They keep hammering that same grass that's, that's young. exactly what you ought to do in a pasture like this, you're going to move them depending on what your stock, stock looks like. You're not going to hurt the grass. I mean, it's, it's healthy. It's, it's done a lot. If this thing was overgrazed and overgrazed and overgrazed, yeah, then it's time to move then. But in this situation, you're more interested in what your stock's doing. And when they start showing like they're not, you know, the room and fill's not there, stuff and they don't look like they're doing, get them off of here. And then, uh, depending on the season, this would be good to come in and mow, because that's going to get everything down again. All this wolfy stuff that they won't eat. Get it all down and, and clip it close. Um, you're not going to hurt the plants. And when they're done, that way everything that grows is going to be new growth and it's going to be young. Um, depending on rain, Thursday later, or whatever. Setting up for the fall, basically. So you have a real nice, a uh, lot of green, a lot of good stuff for them to eat in the fall going into winter. So with that, you know, we, we advertise going, you know, 15 days here, move and move and move. But I want to get more towards what's this particular paddock need? What do you want to do with it? Do you want to rest it a long time and restore the good stuff? Um, you know, there's a lot of seed heads in there. There's Timothy. Your orange grass is already shattered out. Coming in here and having them trample it after a rain or something, you're going to reseed. So getting past that mentality of, you know, we're growing up to eight, raise it down to four. That's great. But there's so many other techniques depending on what that pasture needs and what your animal needs. Uh, if you have, uh, you're trying to fatten your stock, you want a lot more energy in your diet. You want a lot more, you know, seed heads are fantastic. What, you know. How much grain per acre? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I was about ready to get that. Grass fed is a misconsumer because you can come in here and eat seed heads. We called it cream and it's nothing new, folks. What we used to do is cut our hay in the hay meadows and all the little places along the riparian area and the little ditches you couldn't get in, you had mature grass. And then you run your yearlings or your calves right after they were weaned and you creamed it. And they would go along and they'd spend a week or however long in a big of us, do nothing but eat tea days. And them calves would put them on three pounds a day. And afterwards, you get them out and you sell them. Then you come in and the cows will 
winter they were eating. So think thinking those through, thought presses, what am I trying to raise? What am I trying to do? If you're running uh, training animals, they're gonna need a lot of protein at different times. You know, in the wintertime when the trimester they're starting to build up, they need that, they need to get a lot of energy, they gotta be in a good body condition for lactation. Faster is different. It's not just, you know, it's not a resource that, that it's always there. It's constantly changing and improving. Drought, what are you going to do in a drought? What are you going to do when it's not? If you come in here and it's droughty this year, yeah, you're going to probably overgraze it because you have to. Okay? What are you going to do next year when you have rain? You best be figuring on resting it and getting it back up, getting ready for the next drought. Not hit it hard again because those roots need to get deeper. The worst thing you want to do is drive along the roadside, it's nice and green there, and you look out and your pasture is burnt. That's some management issues there, because the root system's not deep enough. The roadside, where it's not being grazed, they get healthy root system, green, they're not drought they all shut up. It's your tour, I do. I got started. I started lambing in mid-April. And I started taking sheep out to pasture at the end of March. Uh, right before I started doing that, I was away in New Orleans for about a month. And what was I doing but reading the art and science of shepherding? And so I got back. I was all fired up. I was going to spend all day with my sheep and take them out to pasture and spend a decent amount of time with them, but that wasn't paying my bills. So I, I did it for a while, and uh, I was taking them on a circuit down closer to the lamb barn because they didn't, they weren't ready to come all the way up here. And they kind of got into a routine. They'd like to go for shade underneath the solar panels throughout the day. Then they'd go to that pasture where the solar panels are, and they'd graze quite a bit. And that was pretty lush grass in the springtime. And then out to the west patch, which is on this side of the barn you see down there. And there's also another patch down there, Apple Alley. They like to have their lambs there. You can see the barn from there. So I look at grass, I look at sheep, um, but I think a lot about sheep behavior as I make my decisions. And that's been fun to watch in real time. I haven't read much of the book since I started doing it in real time. <laughs> it's all been sinking in. And. Uh, I'll entertain questions, but that all that's all I got to say about the sheep right now. So. I have a question. I think this could be to anybody that knows, but what do folks do to manage thatch buildup in pastures? Thatch? Yeah, so some of them call it trash, but just builds up dead litter layer that I think can quite suppress growth. So if I go out west, they burn it, but we don't, we don't burn stuff here. Mm -hmm. Well, we're looking into that part. Um, thatch is usually what's your rhizoma species, bluegrass, you're getting thatch. These, you're just getting residue that breaks down. So, so, that's the, so the residue will just break down in this scenario, right. places where it's and thicker, is, it's not a concern. The thatch is more, well, it's your lawn, you know, everybody goes out there and aerates it because what they're trying to do, break up that thatch because there's so much dead material that's suffocating it. So, um, burning works great. You know, we're looking into uh, just the legality and permits, and they're burning in Pennsylvania. 
Yeah, they're using it for burning. We're looking at it. Um, I mean, prescribed burns is different than setting things on. You guys think of burning, you know, a grass burn, especially on bluegrass, it just creeps along and it's like this high, you know, and you step over it. It's not a, <laughs> it's not a crown fire in a conifer forest, you know, it's, it's all different. So. Uh, it's not a hard thing to do. We burn ditches in Colorado every spring, you know, with a bucket of water and a rag, and you can do just fine. Um, so somehow to thin it up, run a hair over it, do something, even a light disc, um, where you're not really tearing things up, but you're just scratching them, so just getting some little extra air in there so they can rejuvenate. You know, the trade-off between burning and, and residues, you lose a lot of residue, which would be organic matter and stuff. Uh, bluegrass, we've worked outside of Spokane, if you know the area a little bit, a lot of your bluegrass seed for, for uh, lawns and stuff is grown there. And every fall they set it on fire. Every fall, everybody in Spokane gets upset because it actually stimulates the, the grass to see better. And so, uh, when you used right, it's a good thing. Yeah, yeah. Okay, we're walking this way. Thanks, Lynn. <laughs> I didn't going this way. We're walking that way, Dad. Didn't tell all the food. No. Well, Dad, Dad, that's not, that's not such, there's not a gate over there, Dad. Okay, Dad. of it he's got it spraying up high so you can see but he does roll it down so that you don't lose that for evaporation 
just for demonstration purposes. Just for demonstration purposes. <laughs> this is what I live with. <laughs> so what we're seeing in this field, the, the additional greenness and growth is what is in contrast to what's just up on the hill, which is not irrigated. Absolutely. So that's our control versus that. Well, it's, this is part of the control. We have the, the uh, breeding age peppers up here with a bull. They follow the milk cows to some extent. Um, as the dry weather became, as we became more entrenched with the dry Trying to cool weather, down. Yeah. quit flipping for the most part. So that uh, we quit flipping. There was one milk cow grazing up here since then, and then we moved to drive uh, the breeding age heifers up here. Again, they have hay. Um, we hate to hammer it like this, but you know, the feed's not out there, so we'll be selective with what we hammer. but there's six paddocks going all along this top tier here. Um, different levels of uh, leftover. A couple of them have been clipped, but again, the clipping stopped when the rain just continued to be stopped. Come back to Super Soaker. We have to keep moving. We have okay. people with planes. Anyone familiar with Allegheny County knows about uh, Volusia soils. It's a shallow layer of clay underlain by a frangipan. So I discovered from a leak in my cow water in July that you can see that move down there and the wet would just spread out like that. So we put this in, it'll saturate this top, and then it'll go underneath. Water that grass one underneath and just the green swath will just come down the hill. It's a beautiful thing. <laughs> it's, it, down you can see in that lower level where it's even gone under the road. It doesn't go over the road, but under the road and watered that lower section down there. Okay. 
loop up and down several times, but we're not doing it all the time with this these pumps. So you're not running the submersible, you're running the... Uh, you're running down five water. feet or so. Yeah, yeah. sucking out of there. We've got a submersible in the well over here. Okay. Well, the whale's coming in, this yeah. one's That's pumping out of here. Yeah. Circuit that morning. Yeah, yeah. Five horses, 21 amps, and uh, two horses left. How deep is the well? 165. Dry tea Yeah. Okay, any questions about that? We gotta keep moving on. What's the production of the water here? I'm just gonna go in and get some water in the drink. Yeah, mine is. This is just well water. Well water should be good. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. Well, right over here, this spring, we were working on this meeting. 
those up for the candles, though. When I go home in Alfred State, they're going to take the motel grill and the seat in the abuse areas. Well, I said, I'll do the same thing as you're doing. What do you recommend? I said, annual rye grass, orchard grass, meadow fescue, and red clover. Put it on 60 pounds the acre. Well, I got the seed and I went to plant and my drill was only put on half that, the way it was set. Which was fortunate because that meadow fescue was over $3 a pound and that was gold plated stuff. Anyway, I just did twice as many acres. Out here, the taller stuff is where I put that in and come good. so there was bare ground that took hold good. And, uh, Dave can probably tell us what's the difference between the annual ryegrass and the meadow fescue. Well, I can tell you what the ryegrass is. Not really key in on meadow fescue. Mostly ryegrass, similar to this. And the other thing about ryegrass that uses the tail is that uh, it's got a very shiny leaf. Yeah. So you're seeing that there. Meadow fescue is one of the fine fescues. Tall fescue is no longer a fescue. They decided to name it something else. There's fine fescues and tall fescues. Of course, there's a lot of fescues. It comes further north from here. A lot of your fescues out west, Idaho fescue, um, sheep fescue, red fescue, and stuff with good draft, salt fescue. Fine leaf, it would look like a blue grass. Um, so I'm not sure. Well, I mean, it's not a tall growing grass, so I'm thinking it. Oh, it might be this. This? Um, this? Well, That's going to be orchard grass. My experience with the with the yellow with the metal fescue is that this is it, you find a, a kind of a yellowish cast, little really yellow compared to the other grasses. Yeah. But when you turn the cows out in there, you color it gone because yeah, they it, love it. it. it uh, <laughs> they come in themselves and come back, you know, especially now you've got so much seed head. Um, 
even a perennial is a short-lived perennial ryegrass so why they put it in mixes is because especially in lawn mixes is people like to see it green and within, within three or four days it's green and then man that was successful and then it dies out and then your other grasses will come in if you plant this with where you have meadow grass, rye grass, orchard grass, your rye annual rye will die out in a couple of years because the seeds will die every year, but you'll have seed every season. And then eventually you're going to end up with a orchard grass and a fescue grass. The rye grasses will just be not long, five years. You know, they make a longer perennial rye, but it doesn't. It's not long -lived high in nutrients so it's it's desired um red might know a little bit more about this but it is related to tall fester and it does have endophytes in it but they're not as they're more friendly to them than, than the rye grasses so see i got that right <laughs> but yeah it's interesting there and then when you get to fesoleum which is meadow well it could be any right fescue crossed with the ryegrass and you'll hear that sometimes it's a hybrid of the two very close to the so that's a good way to scope the question <laughs> thank you we ended on grass that's where we should end up that's what this conference was about <laughs> <laughs> so yeah yeah let's see how long ago was this journey well let's see what's in here this was early this week, I believe. Yeah. Within yeah. a week. Yeah. And you put on the inch. Oh, yeah. Well, I was running off gravity. wanted more than that, you know, this year. Uh, we were just talking which we should skip. We should go to the ones where we get the best effect. And then we got a two-inch rain there two months ago. Thank Kim and Janice for, for allowing us to spend the afternoon here. Did you figure out the answer? <laughs> oh, the calculator said I can't go that high. It gives the answer of infinity. Bothering me about I have little old stubby legs. And if I figure if I walk a mile, 
it's going to take me 2,112 steps to walk that mile. And you think it's easy, but each time you pick up your foot to take a step, say you could step in any one of eight directions, like this, and when you do take that step, those eight possibilities collapse into just one possibility. And so, you know, you think I've made it so far so good, but then to take your next step, another realm of possibilities just sprang up. And if you consider the possibilities of all the ones that you didn't take, I asked Melody because she's a graduate of Alfred University to figure it out, what the possible, how many zeros. Probability. And she said you couldn't get it on the calculator. Oh, it's over 2,000 zeros. Yeah. <laughs> so just walk a mile, the decisions that you have to make, and the universes that you create and destroy and create again, how can you even get up in the morning? You just have to wear that aluminum helmet. That's why I got it. <laughs> I knew there was a reason. Okay, so let's let's create a few and let's destroy a few. Let's go. <laughs>